0: For our reading text, we will be beginning in the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Numbers in chapter 13. And uh, we'll we'll mainly be starting in the 17th verse. Um, While you're turning over there, we'll give just a little bit of the background. So this is um, the period where the children of Israel have, um, for the first time, they have gone through the wilderness, and they have gotten right close to the promised land that God, the land of Canaan, uh, which is the land that God had promised that he would give to the Israelites as a possession. And so they've come close. They've, only, they've not been wandering in the desert that long in the wilderness. Um, and God has commanded, so this is God that has commanded them to do so. It says in verse 1, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, "Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel of every tribe of their fathers. Shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them? So God commands them to uh, to select from every tribe of their fathers men to go out and to search the land. So this was a commandment from God. So and they they did as God commanded. So the search party, if you will, the The leaders from the tribes were selected, and it gives their names there. And uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce all of their names, at least not this time. But we'll skip down to verse 17. And so the spies have been selected. They've done as as God has commanded. Moses has um, set that up. And in verse 17, it says, And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain." And see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So, Per the command of God, Moses has God said to search out the land. Moses gave more specific instructions to them. And he told them to do a number of things. He told them to spy out the land. Um, and he asked them specifically to note a few different things about the land. First, he said uh, to see what the land is. And he said, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. So the first thing was check on the people that are in the land. And report back, are they strong or are they weak? Are they few in number or are they many in number? The children of Israel recognized that the land that God had promised them to possess was not an empty land currently. And God had already promised that he would drive out the inhabitants of the land. And he's already, I believe, at this time communicated that he's not going to drive them out all at once, but he's going to drive them out in phases, if you will, so that the land won't be desolated and won't get covered over with wild animals, that there will be people to sort of take care of the land as the children of Israel are sort of expanding their possession, expanding their reach within the promised land. So God's told him he was going to take care of it. God's told him this was his promise, and God has always been and is always faithful to keep his promises. But Moses says, Go and see, are the people few in number or many? Are they strong or are they weak? And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, what so is the land good or bad, and what cities they be that or what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. So check on the people, are the people few or many? Are the people strong or weak? What about their the areas where they dwell? Are they dwelling in tents, in, in tabernacles? Or do they have these well established Fortified cities in this land. Because we're going to have to go and we're going to have to conquer this land. And so obviously it would be easier to conquer a people that are living in tents than people that have built fortified cities with walls and with uh, barriers and that have uh, well-trained armies. Go and spy out the land and tell us, report back what you see. But not only that, don't only just go and look at the people and look at their cities, but look at the land itself, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and bring back some of the fruit of the land. So go look at the people, look at their towns, but look at the land and, and report back. Is it a good land? Is, it, is the land fruitful? And bring back some of the fruit of the land so that we can see it with our own eyes what the fruit of the land looks like, whether it be good or good or whether it be fat, or whether it be lean. So these are the directions, and these are the things that Moses had told the spies to go and look at and report back on. Now we, we get into the, uh, the actual search party. In verse 21 it says, So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zion unto Rehob, as men come to Hamath. And they ascended by the south, and came unto Hebron, where Ahimon, Shishai, and Talmai, the children of Anak, were. Uh, And now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came into the brook of Eschal, and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bare it between two upon a staff. And they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the brook of because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after forty days. So they go and they do as they're commanded. So far, so good. God said, go search the land. They got their, their elders. Moses gave them instructions of what to go look at. He said, go and bring back some of the fruit of the land. They go, they look at it for 40 days. They, they bring back some of the, uh, it says some of the grapes and some of the pomegranates and some of the figs from the land. So they're bringing back the fruit of the land. They have completed the task as they were commanded to do then in verse 26, it says, And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. So we're, we're still doing pretty good here. They they accomplished one of the things they were told to do, which is go and look and see whether the land is fat or lean, and bring back some of it. And they did so. They brought back the land, and they gave an honest, true report of the land, that it is what they called flowing with milk and honey, and they produced the fruit of it, and so it was clear that the land that God had promised to give them, God told them it would be a good land. They were in they had been in Egypt, and they had been provided for in Egypt as they referenced before that they had fish and bread and things to eat though they were in slavery and now they've been wandering through the desert there was not a whole lot to eat they were provided the manna that uh, came every morning with like the Jew and uh, except for on the Sabbath and then it didn't come and they were able to eat of that and then uh, when they complained, they were given quail to eat. So, but by and large, the the area that they had been traveling in for I believe about a year, a year and a half at this point. I think it might have been about a year and a half. A lot of that though was stationary. They were kind of standing still while God was giving Moses the law, and and so they weren't traveling this whole year and a half. Part of it, they were staying still in the wilderness while God was giving some of the commandments and setting some setting up essentially how they were to live their lives while they were in the wilderness and what their lives should look like and their worship should look like when they entered the promised land. So this had been going on for a while, and the wilderness where they were was a harsh land. It was not a fruitful land. There, it was not, there weren't uh, trees and beauty and greenery and uh, plenty of water to drink, and it was, it was a harsh land. And so the spies gave an honest report that the, the promised land, the land of Canaan that across the Jordan River that they were supposed to go and possess was a beautiful land flowing with milk and honey, plenty of fruit. It was It was a fat land. It was a land that would give them what they needed to sustain them from a physical standpoint. Verse 28, Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great, and moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. So they give a a scary report of the lands. Moses told them, look at the people and look at the, the cities. Now, that was Moses' commandment to them. I don't know if that was... It, all God said was go and search out the land. I don't know if God really wanted them to be paying attention to how fortified the walls were or how many people they were there were in the land or how strong the people were. God told them to go and search out the land. So that was Moses' commandment to them. I don't know if that's exactly how God had it laid out or not, but uh, they were supposed to go and look at these things according to the commandment of Moses. But their report back was that the people were many, and that they were strong, and that their cities were walled and great. And the children of Anak were there, and the children of Anak were giants, uh, similar to what we would think of as Goliath, who I believe was a descendant of this lineage. He was uh, They were very tall and strong, great warriors. And so the people saw this. And the thought that I have for, and we'll, we'll read a few more verses here in just a bit, But the thought for this morning is, what do you see? What do you see? Because there were twelve spies, one from each of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel that went out to the land. And all twelve spies saw with their eyes the same thing. All twelve spies were together. They all saw the fruit of the land. They all saw the giants. They all saw how many different people were in the land, and they listed them out: the Amalekites and the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Canaanites. There was a lot of people. There were a lot of people in the land. It was. It was. Moses said, "Are there fewer many?" Well, the answer is there were many. Are the people strong or weak? Well, in their mind, the answer is they're strong. There's giants. Are they dwelling in tents or are they dwelling in fortified cities? The answer is they were dwelling in fortified cities. At least some of them were. And all twelve spies saw the same thing with their eyes. But all twelve spies did not report back the same thing according to what they saw in the land. After this bad report of the land, the people are strong, the walls are fortified, there's there's too many people. They've kind of given a, a, a report of what they have seen which has, I'm sure, alarmed the people of Israel up to this point. But now we start to see a little bit of a breakaway. In verse 30 it says, And Caleb, who was one of the two, one of the twelve, and it doesn't say it here, but if you look at the rest of the scriptures, I believe that Joshua, who was also one of the twelve, would have was in agreement with Caleb's words here. It says, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him, at least the other ten spies, said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up or destroys the inhabitants thereof, And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. So the spies, they, they did more than just report the logistics of what they saw. It was more than just what they saw with their eyes. They put their spin on it. We all, as we, as we think of history, as you think of events that happen in the world, most, a lot of times we don't see those events with our own eyes. We're not there to experience it ourselves. And so we rely, in, in history, you look back over time. Of course, we weren't, we weren't born when a lot of the events of history happened. So we rely on others to communicate the world events. Or the facts of history. And everyone that communicates, whether intentionally or unintentionally, will put their own spin on the facts. They'll put their commentary on it. Whether that be positive or negative. And there's a lot of talk in our culture today around what sort of spin, what sort of agenda, what sort of commentary should be placed upon history and the things in our country's past or the things in our world's past. And when events happen, whether they be positive or whether they be negative, natural disasters or shootings or um, whatever they may be, you'll find that there is a lot of, of emphasis put on the spin, the commentary, the, the flavor Not just reporting the facts, but then saying how we should then apply those facts to our lives. And that's what we see the spies did. And there was different spins, there was different flavors, different commentary that was put. The spies looked, they saw the same things with their eyes. They saw the fruit of the land, they saw the people, they saw the cities. But Caleb said... Let's go! Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. That was his spin on the events. This is what we saw. Now let's go. We spied out the land. God told us to go search out the land. We have reported back. Now let's go take the land that God has promised to give us. We are well able to overcome it. The other spies, they put a different spin on the events. We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And then they talk about how the land ate up and destroyed the inhabitants. The men are of great stature. The giants are, are so big that we are uh, in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. I don't even know if the giants saw the children of Israel to, to see them as grasshoppers. If they were very good spies, they probably didn't want to be seen by the people they were spying out. But in their minds, in their hearts, they had made the decision the land was no good for them. And they, that is the evil or the bad report that they reported back to the children of Israel. Moving into chapter 14, we, I want to get to a few verses here because we see the results of this. In, the congregate, in verse 1 it says, "...and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey, were it not better for us to return into Egypt?" And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. Because of the bad report, the evil report of the spies, it was only ten men. There were hundreds of thousands. I think it was just over 600,000 men that were 20 years old and up that had left Egypt. And it would, this would not have been that long after the first census was taken. Uh, at the beginning of the book of Numbers. So you're talking about over 600,000 men that were 20 years old and upward, plus all the other men, all the other men that would have been less than 20, plus all the women. So you're talking about well over a million people, and I'm sure, and I don't know the exact number. And this doesn't even count the Levites. The Levites were only, I think, maybe 22,000. But again, of certain ages. So Hundreds of thousands, millions of people. Ten people go look at the land and give a bad report. And the decision is made. We're going to make us a captain. We're going to set someone over us because Moses and Aaron obviously aren't getting it done. We're going to set someone over us that's going to take us back to Egypt. That's what we're going to do. In verse 6, it says, And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land... Rent or tore their clothes. So two of the spies they tear their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense or their protection is departed from them and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. We'll stop our reading there. Uh, We see God's response later into this chapter, you can uh, read through that. It goes right along with it, the, the context of what we've talked about. And uh, this, this event, this is a big deal. This has a big impact in the story, in the narrative of the, the children of Israel in, in this part of God's people and their relationship with them, because, with God. Um, because of this rebellion and past rebellions that God references, the children of Israel are essentially... essentially um, God judges them to have to wander in the wilderness for a full 40 years, a year for each day that the spy spied out the land. And all the people that were, all the men, 20 years old and upward, that were numbered, none of them, save only two, Joshua and Caleb, were the only two of all those 600,000 plus men. They were the only two that were allowed to actually enter into the promised land. That was God's judgment because of this act of rebellion. We also find that the other ten spies died in a plague. They were, uh, God judged them for their evil report. But the people, Joshua and, and Caleb, they, they, again, they gave their take on the matter because they saw the things that they saw. They saw what the people of the land were. They saw the cities. They saw the giants. They saw the fruit of the land. And they gave their report back of what the children of Israel should do. The children of Israel were so upset at this point. Their hearts were so set on rebellion against God's commandment to go and take the promised land that they were about to stone, they were about to kill Joshua and Caleb for standing up and and speaking these words. And God essentially intervened on behalf of Joshua and Caleb, the glory of God came, and he he essentially started speaking to uh, Moses. And he, I think that the, the Spirit of God that uh, coming in, appearing on the tabernacle, prevented the children of Israel from stoning Caleb and Joshua. So here's the context of, of what we find. We see the spies, and then we see that... 12 people that were the leaders of their tribes went and saw the same thing and had very different results in terms of how they communicated that. What they saw was, and we we, uh, we talked about this, uh, Brother Jimmy, for the devotional this morning, he talked about uh, the scripture that he who hath ears, let him hear. And if... Uh, if I can take that and spin it, or just to, to put it in the context, is he who has eyes to see, let him see. And in, in a physical sense, they all with their physical eyes, they saw the same thing. But they did not see the same thing. Because one man saw giants and fortified cities and lots of people and, and problems and trouble and and they saw defeat they saw doom destruction and another man looked and they saw the same thing with their his physical eyes two of them did and they saw victory they saw god they saw the fruit of the land And How beautiful it was! I, I I can only imagine as Caleb, and it, uh, we may flip over to the book of Joshua and read just a few scriptures to to kind of bookend this story with Caleb. But I can only imagine as Caleb is spying out the land, he can just I imagine his. Uh, the Bible tells us he had children, and we know he at least had a daughter, um, as mentioned in the book of Joshua. I And he probably had a wife. And Caleb, as he was looking out at the land, spying it out, he might have been imagining his wife and his children set up somewhere in this beautiful land, eating of the grapes and the pomegranates and the figs, enjoying the water, enjoying the trees and the grass and the beauty that was there. He saw it and he was, I'm sure, looking forward to possessing the land that had been promised. And he was allowed to do so. It took 45 years from the time that he saw it now to the time that he was actually able to possess it. He had to wait a while, but he did get to enjoy it. The visions that he may have had as he was spying out the land and seeing it, 45 years later, those visions and dreams became a reality for him. Not so for the other 10 that gave the evil report. Their children were allowed to go in and possess it, but they were not. We have our own challenges today, our own problems. We're not uh, called out to, to physically wander through a desert and Go out and spy out a land, and we're not setting ourselves up for a physical. Maybe some of you are, but we're not going, we're not preparing ourselves that we're going to be going and fighting another group of people to kill them and to take over their physical land. That's not what God has for His people in this period of time. We're not physically looking out at the, the giants and wondering how we're going to kill the giants as the children of Israel did many years later as Goliath was, uh, um, was threatening them and uh, he was harassing them and he was uh, mocking them. And they couldn't figure out how they were going to kill the giant until David stepped in. We don't have physical giants that we're trying to figure out how we're going to uh, kill them with a sword or with a sling or with a spear. But the philosophy, the, the, the context of the children of Israel very much applies to our lives today. Because when you focus on the troubles, when you focus on what's going wrong, when you focus on your trials when you focus on the, the the challenges and the difficulties in your life and you see them and you start to dwell on them and you start to to think about them and you start to to wonder how you're gonna overcome them, it just snowballs and it gets they they, they look bigger and bigger and bigger. The giants looked so big to these ten spies that they said we were as grasshoppers in our own sight. They admitted we looked at them and we felt like we were just grasshoppers. The giants, though they were big, and and if you look at the context of the Bible, at least I think Goliath was supposed to, he wasn't 50 feet tall. He was probably, I think, maybe somewhere around eight, nine feet tall or somewhere in there, the Bible tells us, which is tall. I'm not that tall. But it's not exactly the, the context of a grasshopper. They saw these giants who maybe were three or four or five feet taller than they were. But in their minds, these giants might as well have been a hundred feet tall. Because in their minds... They just grew bigger and bigger and bigger. The cities, though they were fortified, they might as well have had walls a thousand feet tall made of diamond and steel. Because in their minds they were impenetrable. And while there were a lot of people living in the land of Canaan at that time, they might as well have been like as the sand on the seashore in multitude because the children of Israel, when they looked at it, they, they couldn't even see the grass and the trees and the beauty of the land because all they could see is all the people that were there. They saw these things. They saw the challenge ahead of them. And in their minds, it grew to something that was impossible. Their focus was on the bad. That's what their, their minds were focused on. They, and they came back and they reported that the land was good. They did say, yeah, the, the fruit, it looks great. Here's some examples of it. But that's not really what's on our mind. Here's what's on our mind. And then they go into it. The people are strong, the walls are fortified, and we cannot conquer it. Who cares how good the land looks? The grapes aren't going to taste very good when we're dead. And that is where their minds were. Problem after problem that they could not overcome. Caleb and Joshua, their minds were on something else. They, they saw something different. Because they, they, when they gave their uh, now they maybe, as it says that the spies came back, and it says that in Numbers 13 that it, it did report that the people are, are strong. I don't know if Caleb and Joshua were a part of that communication or not. Because, I mean, it was a fact of the matter. They did see giants in the land. Caleb and Joshua could have reported that honestly. They saw giants in the land. They could have reported honestly that they saw walled cities. That was a true statement of what they saw, and maybe they reported that. But whenever Caleb or Caleb and Joshua are found speaking on their own, away from the other spies, their focus, their attention is not on the giants and the number of people and the fortified cities. It's on the fact that they should go and possess it. They can overcome it. The land is beautiful. It's a good land. And their focus is on how they know that they're going to overcome. If the Lord delight in us, then we will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. And they knew. They said, fear ye, or, uh, Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with them. I'm sorry, the Lord is with us. And that made all the difference in the world. You see, their focus was not on the problem. Their focus was on the solution. Their focus wasn't on what they saw with their physical eyes, but what they knew by faith. God. And that made all the difference in the world. Because it didn't matter how big the giants were. It didn't matter how fortified the cities were. It didn't matter how many people there were. It mattered who God was with. God is with us. So don't fear. The land is beautiful, just as God promised. And God is with us. If God is for us, who can be against us? Now Paul wrote that in the book of Romans, but Caleb and Joshua might as well have uh, quoted it here as well, because they knew. They knew. Twelve people seeing the same exact thing, and how different were their experiences. And the same is true for us. We all are going to go through trials, some trials will be similar. Some will be very different. And we have to be careful. Uh, sometimes we, we like to use the term someone's walking through a difficult journey. And we say, I know what you're going through. Well, no, you don't. You know what you've gone through. and Maybe you've gone through something similar, but you don't know what I'm going through. We don't, we, we don't, help people in that way. It's not because we know exactly what they're going through and they can do exactly what we did and get exactly the same result. But we all will face trials that we're going to have in common. And some of them may have similarities. Some of it may be the same trial that affects a family, that affects a church, that affects God's people overall as the world bombards us with all the things that Satan can throw at the church and God's people. We will have challenges, whether it's in our families, in our work, in our culture, in our, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in the country, in the world. The giants are out there. The difficulties are out there. And how we view them is going to make all the difference in the world. Because if you view your challenges and you view the problems and you see it and you look at it and you just don't know how you're going to, to overcome it, and, and the giants, they just start to grow bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and then you're at a place where all you can think about, all you can see, all that your, your life, it just goes down into a place of discouragement and despair because all you have are problems. Or, you can look at it through the eye of faith. And it doesn't mean that the the problems themselves aren't there. The giants were there. Caleb knew the giants were there. And it's not that God was just going to magically make the giants go away. Caleb knew that it was going to take a battle. And we see in Joshua, in chapter 14, how this plays out. Joshua chapter 14, starting with verse 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me, made the heart of the people melt but I wholly follow the Lord my God. And Moses sware on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and lo, and now lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain where the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And we'll stop our reading there. Caleb knew that it was going to take some, some effort, but he was ready for it. He was ready for the battle with these giants. He was ready to overtake these fenced cities. Why? If so be, the Lord will be with me. Pretty much said the same thing 45 years later that he had said 45 years before. It was by faith. And so as we stare down our challenges, our giants, the problems, the difficulties, the trials, I'm not saying they're going to be easy. I'm not saying that we're not going to, to need to mourn and to, to process and to, to, to talk to God, to pray and be honest. It. It's not about being happy and bubbly and, and and pretending like everything is great and nothing is ever wrong and it's not about putting on a show. It's not about creating a facade and, and pretending that everything is great when inside you feel like you're just about to fall apart. Now this goes to the core of our being of how we're going to deal with our problems whether we're going to allow the problems to overcome us and the giants to be 100 feet tall or that we're going to see them with the eye of faith that God is with us. And because God is with us, we can overcome Because the difference isn't in, it's not about what the problem is. And it's not about our capability on our own to fix it, to solve it. But it's about whether or not God is going to be with us and whether we're going to trust in Him to meet the need. So, what do you see? As you look out on your life, what do you see? Do you see the giants? Do you see the problems? Do you see how hard it's going to be? Do you see no way out? Do you see doom and destruction? Do you see just bad things? Are you consumed with the weight of your problems? Or do you see God? Do you see your father? Do you see the angels on the hillside? There was another fight. Children of Israel were going to be in a battle. They were surrounded and greatly outnumbered by the enemy. And it looked at first glance very hopeless. But then God allowed them to see differently. And he allowed them to see the angels that were around the area that God had prepared to fight for his people. If God is for us, who can be against us? If he is with us, if God is going to be with us, what problem is there That we cannot overcome. We look to faith in the cross. We see suffering, we see death on our horizon, we see the the chains of sin and shame. But through the eye of faith in our Savior Jesus Christ, death, where is thy sting? grave where is thy victory we see our sins washed away and their hold their grip their death grip on our lives get broken away Jesus paid the price for us to be reconciled with God And there is great victory in the cross and in the empty tomb and what they represent for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And those of us that have been saved by His grace, we have the Holy Spirit. God is all-powerful. And I think most of us recognize that. We recognize there's no problem. It's not that God... I think most of us understand that God can do most any can do anything in his power he's capable of anything but may we through the eyes of faith see it in our lives that he is going to fight for us and may we put our trust in him so that we can see the beauty the fruit of the land the good things that he has promised us in his word And the difficulties and the problems, the giants, may they fade away from our view so that we can see the blessings of God and his great promises that we can hold on to.